Hello, hello, and welcome back to the show. Jessica Stevens here, your host of I Just Blank, Now What? The podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for joining me today for another Now What? Wednesday. I am just so honored to be on your list of podcasts that you enjoy on the regular. And if you are new here to the podcast because somebody invited you to listen to an episode, welcome. I'm so glad to have you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So today on the show, we are diving into, I guess, a polarizing topic, you know, one of those themes that everyone tells you you're not supposed to talk about in polite company, which is religion. And my guest, Christina Carlson, is coming on the show today to talk about leaving her childhood religion and what that meant for her. She was in a faith that was, I, I guess in her own words, somewhat cultish, and she had the courage to step away and make some new life choices for herself. So we're going to be unpacking what that was like for Christina, how she did it, what the fallout was for her, and, and all the good stuff. So without further ado, let's meet Christina. She is a self-relationship coach, speaker, facilitator, and the host of the podcast, Bitches, Witches, and Queers. Christina is certified through Beautiful You Coaching Academy in Australia and the Devoted Energy Coaching School in South Carolina. They have their bachelor's in theology and have devoted extensive hours to continuing education in intra and interpersonal relationships. They work with those who feel like they had to hide their messiness to belong, supporting them to create lives with internal safety, community, belonging, and confidence. Christina's work centers supporting her clients to accept their whole selves with compassion, helping them reclaim the parts of themselves that they had they were taught to reject and supporting them to discover the power of their own energy and honor their unique magic. It is her deeply held belief that it is imperfectly sacred and holy to be who you are, fully human. So without further ado, let's get to the now what? Have you ever had a situation happen in your life that you weren't expecting, good or bad, and said to yourself or out loud, oh my gosh, I just fill in the blank, now what? Me too, friend, me too. I've had quite a few actually, and in the moment, I never knew what I was gonna do next. Of course, I had to figure it out, sometimes the hard way, but I did figure it out. So join me and some amazing guests this season as we all share our own, I just blank, now what stories, so we can all learn from their transformational lessons to help us all answer that lifelong and often paralyzing question, now what? Hey friends, have you ever had that I just feel so bloated, now what moment? (laughs) Me too, and that's when I reach for my Green's Gut Glow Drink. Yep, I can sip my way to healthier looking skin, support my digestive system, and get an extra scoop of greens all in one bundle that helps me de-bloat. This nutritious trinity includes three of my favorite Arbonne nutrition products, Be Well Superfood Greens, Gut Health Digestion and Microbiome Support, and Skin Elixir Collagen Support. I drink this every day. The greens, just one scoop of this versatile vegan superfood powder, delivers a blend of 36 fruits and vegetables in each serving for a boost of greens, featuring fiber, photonutrients, along with a natural deep green color courtesy of blue-green algae derived from spirulina, chlorelia, 
wheatgrass, and barley grass. Just one scoop provides me with the benefits of eating a full color spectrum of fruits and vegetables. Minding my gut's microbiome is a must, and this delicate balance of bacteria helps support favorable gut flora. Designed to support the benefits of a healthy diet, this plant-powered natural health product mixes easily with water, so its blend of probiotics and enzymes can work synergistically with my body to help support gastrointestinal health. Its ingredients include inulin from chicory root and 3 billion CFUs of bacillus coagulant probiotics plus enzymes that act as a digestive aid. This natural health product helps support favorable gut flora while helping to digest proteins and contains ginger, which traditionally used in herbal medicine to help relieve digestive upset. For the glow, I'm sipping my way to healthier looking skin. This acai or dragon fruit flavored vegan natural health product features antioxidant vitamin C to help in collagen formation to maximize healthy bones, cartilage, teeth, and gums, silicone and biotin to support healthy hair, skin, and nails, and a blend of sea buckthorn fruit extract, pine bark extract, and vitamin C for antioxidants. This vegan natural health product provides beneficial ingredients for my skin, hair, and nails. So head to jessicastevenstoronto.arbon.com and use promo code ARBON10 to get 10% off your Greens Get Glow bundle. That's jessicastevenstoronto.arbon.com and promo code ARBON10 gets you 10% off. Or just click the link in the show notes and get your Greens Gut Glow Bundle all in one click. Well, hello, hello, Christina. Hello. So good to see you. I'm so excited that we've finally been able to connect. Same. I'm so happy to be here with you. I know. All right. So we have a big, big episode today. So we're going to, we're not going to chit chat too much off the top, but something that I always love to ask guests is obviously I just read your wonderful bio to everybody and it's jam-packed with all the things, but what is it you actually want people to know about you? Like, is there something that you're like, I would really love if people knew this about me? Oh, what a good question. I, I would really love people to know. And I think most people that know me do know this, that conversations with me can be extremely life-changing. I have a gift of listening and seeing people in a way that is really supportive. And I don't even know how it happens. It's like a combination of skills and life experience, but my work in coaching brings that out in me and it's profound and powerful. Oh, what a setup for today's conversation. Listeners, you are in for a treat. We're going to have some profound time with Christina. And yeah, I love conversations too. I think speaking with people, hearing their stories, and exchanging information and knowledge and experience is literally like the thread that pulls us all all together. What I love about this show so much too, is I get to have so many conversations with people whom have lived completely different lives than my own. Mm. And that is definitely the two of us because your upbringing and your childhood completely different. So today we're talking about The fact that you walked away from your childhood religion and had a complete shift. So 
I know a lot of people probably, you know, were raised in a faith and maybe they've drifted away. They're not active or practicing, but they didn't like up and decide, oh, I'm shutting this door. This is no life is no longer for me. We're calling it quits. But that's exactly what you did. So can you take us back, share with the audience how you were raised, what your life was like, and then what made you decide to walk away? Yeah. Oh, what a great way to bring all of this up. I, uh, you're right. It, it's not what everyone does. I think, I think what I've come to understand about like the, you know, religious deconstructing community is that the further you are in something, the more you have to exit where, as if you, if you just were able to drift away, typically you weren't as far in as those of us who were like really in. (laughs) Um, That is actually, that makes a lot of sense. Like if people are like on the fringe it's easy to kind of float in and out and like dabble. But if you're yeah. like in the deep end, in order for you to pull yourself out, you have to do some drastic things to get away. Yeah, because for for me, like I, I was homeschooled with a Christian curriculum. I was taught creationism as more proven than science. I had I had a very a very strategic upbringing, is to put it nicely. It was very controlled for a specific purpose. I was, I was raised to be someone who would go off and give my life for the cause, whether that be me actually dying or just giving every bit of my life to this purpose. And so my entire existence was for this thing was for this space. So in in that regard, it's like, I was homeschooled. I went to a Christian high school. Then I went on to get my degree in theology Like I was, I was headed to be a pastor's wife because in our community, wives couldn't be, or women couldn't be leaders. So it was a, even that it was just like, well, I was going to go be the highest I could be. I was going to serve children or like get married and serve a community. And and so it had to be something that was like really, now I guess, yes, it had to be something that was a little bit more dramatic because of how dramatically I was committed to this thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. So So tell us, you know, unpack your childhood a little bit more, like obviously, yes, homeschooling, but like, give us a little bit of a window in what life was like as a very controlled child. Mm, Yeah, I, I, there's so many places I could go with this, but there is one story I want to tell because it had such a big impact on me. I mean, my earliest memories were of feeling afraid of hell, like, and having my parents not deny that, but rather confirm that that was like a real thing and a real place. And I was scared of demons and they were like, yes, they're around. (laughs) It was like, it was very like, usually you tell your parents there's a boogeyman and they're like, no, there's not a boogeyman, but it was like, I'm afraid there's a boogeyman. And they're like, yeah, it's in your closet. (laughs) So it was really like, in that sense, there was a lot of fear. I had the pressure on me as a very young child to make decisions that I couldn't even comprehend making. Like I had to protect my eternal soul myself. That wasn't something my parents could do for me. And I knew that from my earliest years. So it was a lot of pressure on something that like, I just couldn't comprehend, which is really overwhelming. But like when I did and always have been a little bit of a mystical person And like, we were homeschooled. So my mom really believed in having us outside. And this was the best part of being homeschooled. Like I would just lay outside in the grass, we would explore nature. And like, I really, I really felt something in being outside and close to the earth. And I was obsessed with 
Pocahontas, the story of anything indigenous in our country. I was just like, could not get my hands on enough of it. And obviously what I was learning was very culturally appropriative and not the real story, but not the real story. But one thing that we did go to see Pocahontas in theaters. And what I loved was they said, listen to your heart. And grandmother Willow was a tree speaking to a girl. And I w- I felt so connected to it. And afterwards, I was just like filled with this like joy. I was just like, oh my God, like nature speaks to us. Like, <laughs> and my mom just like shut it down. Like that's evil. That's wicked. Like that's sinful. And it was so, it was so stark that I just like kind of shut myself off to all of that. Like my natural inclination to explore and be close Where, wherever I would have gone without this was completely shut down. So there was like a very, any curiosity was like, cut. it's just like nip it in the butt, nip it in the butt. Like you can be curious, but here's the answer. You can be curious in these paths only. So if you were curious that led down this way that they were like, oh yeah, that's, that's good curiosity. We want her to go there. Then it would have been fine. But anything that led you off path, diverging into another space, they just like shut that down real quick. Yeah. And this was done in like subtle ways too. Like we, we heard our parents and pastors and leaders speak, like make fun of other people who thought other things spoke negatively about them. So it was like, when they were curious about those things, it was like, oh, they're being foolish. And so you kind of learned by how they talked about people, what you weren't supposed to ask. Cause you didn't, you didn't want to be the idiot or the stupid one, you know? So, so you were kind of learning from those subtleties as well. And they were dropping those hints and those seeds to let others know like this, this is not, this is, this is not the way. Yeah. Yeah. And I got um, really good at playing like a role of like a proper lady and like, <laughs> I got really into it because I, I liked how people responded to me when I was doing that. Oh, you were looking for that validation of like, Oh, I'm a good girl. Yes. <laughs> so I'm actually surprised to hear that your mom took you to go see Pocahontas. Cause I know in our first conversation, you told me that you had very little exposure to yeah. outside TV media. Like, so how, how did that happen? How did you get a hall pass to go to see Pocahontas? <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good question. It was, it was very limited. We were studying Pocahontas and early U.S. culture, whatever history, whitewashed history, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so I think my mom was like, oh, there's a movie coming out that might be somewhat historically accurate, quote unquote. And I think I probably cried and begged and it was like, OK, we can do this as an activity and go see this thing. But it was one of those things like. And I should have known this would be the case, but like we weren't allowed to watch things without a commentary and a discussion on like what it was supposed to mean and what it was supposed to be. Cause we would go to like a science center and every time something said a million years, my mom would be like, they don't know what they're talking about. Like, this is ridiculous. So it was like, we were allowed to be in some places and watch some things, but there was always this like conscience correction. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Continually. So our minds kind of like got used to doing that. Like my mind got used to just like correcting itself anytime I saw anything that was like outside of this framework. Wow. Okay. So that was your early childhood, you know, through high school. When did things start shifting for you internally 
in terms of like, I don't think this is the life that I want. I don't think this is where I want to be. Was there like something that happened or was this like a gradual Christina awakening? (laughs) It was a Christina awakening there. I would say it happens in stages and it started happening before I knew that it was happening. I, I started taking a hula class when I lived in Hawaii from a Hawaiian woman and she was a Christian. She was a part of this Christian church that I was a part of, but because she was indigenous to Hawaii, she had a little bit of like wisdom that she would bring in. That was not exactly Christian. (laughs) So there was a little bit of this, like, I was like feeling a deeper spirituality and like my body just like gravitated towards this. I would practice for like hours a day and having that experience, I felt like there was a part of me that was coming back to life, even though I didn't know that that's what was happening. So I like to say that's the beginning of this, but um, among other things, like the community that I was a part of ended up like getting really culty and kicking people out and like doing a lot of really gnarly things. So it turned into a cult and I left because I was aware enough, I think to notice that that wasn't that was just not okay for me. Mm-hmm. Someone told me I couldn't pee during a meeting. And I was like, I quit <laughs> because I've always, I've always just been like really bold in, in some really weird ways. And that was one of them. And I was like, you can't tell me what to do with my bladder. Like <laughs> don't mess with me. But then it wasn't, it honestly wasn't until like three years later, two or three years later that I, I started this journey. I had broken up with an ex who was um, emotionally abusive and it took everything in me to like leave that. So I was very broken afterwards. And I realized that I had, I was really insecure. So I started like doing a little bit of research into psychology, just a little, which is a world that I was not, it was not okay for me to be in before, but it was through Christians. It was Christians who were using psychology. So I found this little window in again and I was really open. I was like, I really want to know what true Christianity is. I want to like really know God. And I went into this really expansive place of like, I'm open. I want to be a real deep, grounded, confident Christian woman. And the more I went into it, the more I couldn't find it in the church communities. The more I like uncovered of what I believed God to be, the more I was like, that's not here. And I started meeting people from all over the world. I left the bubbles that I had been living in because I stopped working for Christian organizations. And it just kind of became this flow of like, what else is possible? Like, maybe I don't need to hold on to all these tiny pieces to make it make sense. And I, I went to, I was in Mexico once with my brother and I met an atheist from Britain and she was like, do you really believe in hell? Cause she's like, I've never met a Christian. Like, tell me all about it, you know? (laughs) And my brother who was with me was like, no. And I was like, what? (laughs) But it was in that moment that I was like, I could not look at her and tell her that I thought she was going to hell either. It didn't make any sense. And it was like in that moment that I was like, oh shit, this is breaking apart like way faster than I thought it would. And the moment I think it was like it became public in a way was my brother wrote a letter to my parents saying that he wasn't going to attend church anymore. That was it. That was it. And their response was horrid. They were like wishing evil on our family. And like, it was really, it was really gnarly. And for me, it was like, okay, if I'm going to explore this, 
it's not safe to do with them. And from there, it was like, okay, now I'm like actually doing this thing. Okay, so that kind of answered a future question that I have of like, okay, you and your siblings, how many of you decided to stay and how many of you like, you know, left? Sounds like your brother was the courageous one and took the first the first step out and you kind of followed his path. In your parents' reaction to your brother's decision simply just to stop going to church, that was a huge catalyst, obviously, because if they reacted that way to something as simple as I'm, I'm choosing to spend my Sunday doing other things, what was the fear for you? What was your fear of how they would react to what you were now exploring and considering? Yeah, that, that's such a good question. And I honestly don't think that I knew at the time. Mm. So my brother called me after this happened and like, my brother and sister and I are all trauma bonded from like the way that we were raised. So it's, it's natural still at this point for when something affects him or her, I like, I feel it in my body. And when he called me after this and was like upset about the, you know, like really just like hurt, I was like, I felt it myself. And I was like, okay, we can't trust you. It was, it was just like, I felt like it had happened to me. And I, I was afraid, I don't try to think, I don't even know if I was afraid. I was just like angry and hurt. And I called my mom and I was like, I want you to know that I don't feel safe talking with you about this anymore. What was her response? I think she just said, okay. I I think because she had responded to my brother more fiercely, she was like trying not to. To I mean, (laughs) yeah. I mean, if you think about it, like I mentioned, I was homeschooled. I was brought up in like a high school, like they gave their lives to have us turn out a certain way. So for us to be turning away from that is, is like losing their inheritance. You know, it's like a traumatic for your parents for sure. Yes. Yeah. Do you, do you have a relationship with them now? Loosely. Yeah. I mean, they have, they have said some pretty awful things to us. Like, like, it's like we died. Um, Mm -hmm. and I mean, in one hand, like, because I've been in that community, like I understand that rhetoric and also for my parents to like, see that about me and I'm still here is, is really hurtful. So it's hard to like have a relationship that's like anything more than just staying connected, you know? How long ago was this? Like, how old were you when this was all, you know, popping off for lack of a better term? (laughs) Yeah, I was, I was 25, I think around then. Yeah. I, the dates are all fuzzy to me. I think it was like 2015, 2016. I was married. And so my partner and I were both like having this discussion as well as my siblings. And the the beautiful thing about this is like, I really didn't have to do this alone. In some senses I did. And there is an isolation to the fact that no one can actually answer these things for you anymore. It's up to mm-hmm. you but I really, I wasn't alone in my questioning and I wasn't alone in my curiosity. And that's truly beautiful. And it really allowed me, I think, some freedom to to do what I wanted and go where I wanted with this that I think a lot of people don't have access to. Was your husband from that same religious community as you? His beloved Christian mom set us up. (laughs) 
think she might regret it now. I don't know. <laughs> that woman stole my son and took him away, right? Yeah. Are you and so I guess you had a kind of a bit of a partner in crime, somebody who you did feel safe exploring other things. Do you think you brought that out in him? Or he brought that out in you? Who who was kind of like the instigator? It was you. Oh, it was me. It was me. I'm very persuasive because of years of evangelical training. Like I would go out into the streets and talk to people and I was very persuasive. I knew everything. So that skill is just naturally something that I have. So when it came to discussions with my partner, I was always like, well, what about this? <laughs> and so I definitely was the one who was the, the catalyst there. But I definitely kind of t- stepped back and let him take his own journey. Mm-hmm after a little bit, because for a while there, I was like, you have to come with me. And then I was like, no, you, you do this on your own for you. And so he kind of went on his own path in that way and later joined me. But it's, it's something that's, it's really interesting. Cause like in a community like that, everything is black and white and there really is only one right way to do things. And for someone who comes from a traumatic background, control is everything, Right. So in, when you're trying to be in a partnership and you're realizing that codependence isn't the key and control isn't the key, you're like literally relearning how to relate to everything. And that's, I feel like been one of the most difficult things and challenging aspects of this journey is like, is like realizing that I can't control anything but me and actually starting to take responsibility for myself. Because otherwise everything was on God and what God said and like these subtle manipulations because our bodies just like want to do things, you know? Wow. Well, I'm happy. I'm happy that was one of your first lessons of, you know, letting him go on his own path and journey. And of course, you know, it worked out well. He did end up deciding that, you know, the path that you were on was one that he wanted to walk with you. So that that's, that's fantastic. And you, and in in walking away from a family unit, like as tight as yours was, I'm assuming there's, there's grief for sure. Like, I'm sure you are sad. The fact that your relationship with your parents is no longer what it was minus, you know, the, the religious aspect of it, but parentally, like familiarly there, there's definitely a grief. So you being able to kind of partner stronger with your partner, I'm sure that was, kind of a bit of a life raft for you. Yeah. All of these relationships were it's, I think because I don't, I don't know. I feel really like for lack of a better way to say it blessed that like everyone around me was like reconsidering this at the same time that I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was, yeah, again, back in like 2014 was the beginning of it, I think. And or 2013 maybe, but like, it's, it's definitely a life raft. And I wanted to, I wanted to note on the parents for anyone else who's in this experience and they're, they're still grieving that loss. Like it's, it's a necessary thing to grieve. You, you didn't lose your parent, but they, they can't see you. And, and that I think can be one of the hardest things, like, because it seems it seems subtle and it's like, well, you're your own person. You're an adult now, but I think it's important. And it was really important for me to grieve that my parents cannot give me the acceptance and love that I deserved to have from them. And I still deserve to have from them. And being able to grieve that allows me to see them as just humans and 
and find other ways to meet that need for myself. Because otherwise that, that feeling is just like always there. And you're like, but I, you need to see me and you need to do this. And like, I feel like I couldn't let it go until I really allowed myself that grief in the past few years. Oh yeah, absolutely. So did your sister also leave, leave the church and okay. So your parents, like all three of their kids stepped away. Yeah. We all went very queer and off the deep end in their minds. (laughs) Okay. So this is a question that I ask all my guests now what? So now that you have kind of like severed ties with, you know, your childhood faith and, you know, your family and that community, which, which you said kind of got very cultish as you got older. Do you think it was actually cultish from the very beginning, but just as you aged, you, you became more aware of their, their actions. Would you say like thinking back to like the early days, you're like, oh yeah, that was a full on cult. Yeah. I love that you asked this. I was having this conversation this past weekend with some of my fellow ex-evangelical friends. Like I really think there's there's layers to any community. Mm-hmm. If you join if you join the outskirts, like we talked about before, the fringe, you're going to get the fringe benefits. You're going to feel like you're a part of a community. It's going to feel great. That's fine. The mm-hmm. further and closer you get to the center, if it is dysfunctional, is where you're going to start to see that dysfunction. But if you're so committed at that point, you really are like, I made it in here. I need to stay. It's hard I to didn't come this it. far just to come this far. Right? <laughs> yes. So I would, I would say like by technical definition, I was a part of two cults. One I was on the outskirts of, and the other I was in the very middle of those were both after college. The, I mean, there are definitely cult-like aspects. There's abusive aspects to all of them, spiritual abuse, relational abuse, emotional abuse. There's that was present in all of these communities. But if you're going to define a cult technically, I've only been in two. <laughs> okay. Good, good clarification for all those listeners out there. So now what? What does your life look like now that you have cut ties with your childhood religion? Jessica, I feel like I can breathe. I wasn't able to take a full breath until I turned about 26 when I really let go of the idea of hell. And my own mind and body became a safe place for me to exist in without fear. And that had never happened before. So my life right now looks like a spiritual practice of learning to be present in my body and in my life and supporting other people through coaching to do the same. Because I didn't know that that kind of peace, like, It's not like Zen peace all the time, but it's like, I'm not at war with myself. And I want everyone who is desiring that to be able to access that. Peace. Isn't that, isn't that the goal for everybody? Right. And isn't, it's funny because in many religions, that's what is, that is what is preached that we want to have peace among men and, you know, live and cohabitate all of us, but it's not something that people are actually able to achieve internally. Ooh, and I think, I think the key difference here is that peace through religion is tried to achieve through control mm-hmm. where peace actually comes with being with the messiness of life and being with messy feelings and things that come up for us and being responsible in very normal, non-ego satisfying ways 
Mm-hmm. And in in a lot of religious settings, you're you're trying to control yourself. You're trying to control other people. You're trying to control your environment in such a way that doesn't allow your humanity to be present for you or other people. Good distinction. Good distinction. Is there anything from your past that you actually still hold on to and believe in from, from when you were in that community? Yeah, I, I love, I've, I've been considering this a lot lately. So last year I went to a second coaching training, devoted energy coaching school uh, with Sora Schilling. And she really taught me a spirituality that she didn't have a history in Christianity or religion at all. And I was like, oh, I realized something. <laughs> I think that Christianity just culturally appropriated anything good that it has in it. Like uh, prayer didn't originate with Christianity. Like singing together didn't originate with Christianity. Community did not originate. Like the things that I loved about being in that community are not actually of that community because the whole thing is a colonization and stealing from other cultures as it continued to do that across the world. Mm -hmm. So in some senses, yes, I, I find like I pray in certain communities. I offer prayers to nature and the universe when it feels supportive for me. Um, but I don't consider those to be a part of Christianity because they stole those things. But it would just it was part of the practice uh, that you had yes. as a child that you get to continue, but in a reframe. Yes. Yes. Okay. So that's good. So there's, there are little nuggets that you, I guess, were able to bring forward and still be able to do that. You, you, you enjoyed and liked, which attracted you to it, or maybe, you know, why you stayed as long as you did that you're able to do it in a new way. Yeah. Everything in the space that I was raised in was steeped in shame. So once I started parsing out those practices from shame, I was like, oh, there's like some good here. Love it. Love it. For anyone who's listening, who is struggling with their own faith-based identity, what words of wisdom do you have to share with them as they kind of go down their own path? Mm, Take your time. Take your time. Truly there, there is, for me, there was such an overwhelm in my nervous system when it came to discussing or like even considering certain aspects of that faith like go at your own pace. Like if you, if you're listening to something and you're like, well, maybe I should be listening to this because it's information about whatever, but it feels overwhelming to you. Take a step back and go for something that you feel like you're able to be with for a little bit, because there is no rush for this. And the more you take your time and allow your nervous system to settle as you go, the more satisfied you'll be as you, it won't be as shocking to you and the change will allow itself to take place over time. You'll have less like crazy bumps later when it comes to the things that you're deconstructing. There is no rush. That's, that's the thing about reframing from being in a space that's a high control group to being outside of it is you are not going to arrive anywhere close to perfection. That's actually not the goal. So if you're moving away from that, just allow yourself to be and go with what you feel capable of holding in that moment. Like everything else, it takes time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it can be challenging to slow down. That itself could be the practice. Oh, well in today's society, everything is a go, 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 go. Whether you, whether you're a faith-based person or not, like, you know, hustle culture and progression Mm -hmm is seeped into to all of us 
you know? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, slowing down is definitely a challenge that, that many of us face myself included. So what drew you to the coaching? What was, what is it about this new life that you have that made you want to be like, oh my goodness, I want to help others. Cause you know, I'm sure a lot of people are able to kind of move away from, from past and, and enter new space, but not all of them are compelled to be a leader and teach other, other people how to do the same. So what was it about coaching that really connected with you? Yeah, I, I have always loved listening to people and hearing people's stories and my entire life, even throughout this entire journey, people have shared stuff with me, opened up to me and have been supported by me in ways that I was just like, just doing. And I didn't realize how helpful it was. And after going through the experience of deconstructing over seven years or more, I realized that I was really good with being in the unsettled places, like the in-between spaces with people without making it a big deal. And even, you know, validating it, it being a big deal, but not taking it on mm-hmm. and, and like essentially holding space for people. And I was following someone on social media and I, cause I didn't know what a life coach was. And I had been listening to their stuff for a little bit and I was like, oh, they're a life coach. And I was like, that's what I do. Like I should, I should do that. Like that would be so soul satisfying. And honestly, I was really scared to invest in it because I was told not to invest in my own education growing up because I wasn't going to make any money. <laughs> like there was, there was just not a lot of self-belief in there before. So mm-hmm. doing this itself was a big thing for me. But I really just love being with people and supporting them to see how, how they are, who they are. Because I think I have a gift of seeing people's strengths and reflecting that back to them in a way that they can receive and then do something with. And it's really powerful and it teaches me things every time and it helps me along my own journey. It feels mutually beneficial. That's, that's, that's great because it fuels your, it fills your cup so that you can overpour and fill and pour into others. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is what we've been, we share with the people all the time. You can't pour from an empty cup, you know, don't be a, don't be a jug, be a vase, right. Yes. Overflow into others when you are full. Um, Cause that's really important because supporting and people and being a caregiver in any shape, form or fashion, whether it's, you know, a a family member or relative or even clients, you are providing care um, for other people. It's really important to do that from a space in which you're not depleted. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the thing that I love about the community of coaches that I walked into was that like, I am always being coached while I'm coaching others. I I have a coach or two and a therapist at all times because like I I want a community of care, not just to be, I don't want to be a martyr anymore. Which was something that you were taught to do before. Yeah. That was my childhood stories was about martyrs. Like I had planned, I had planned on that path. So for me to realize like, oh, my life can be something else. I was like, yeah, I want this to be I want this to have reciprocity. I want this to be cyclical. I want, I want it to be regenerative. Yeah. Because being in service 
is a wonderful thing, but only when it's not literally sucking you dry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Awesome. Okay. So where can people find you? Where do you like to hang out on the interwebs? You know, do you got anything going on where, where would you like people to find you? Yeah. Christina M Carlson.com. That's C H R I S T I N A M C A R L S O N.com. That's where you can find all the information about me. I'm at Christina Carlson life coach on Instagram. And that has links to my TikTok. I don't ever remember what my TikTok is, but it has a little bit of a different content because I like to ramble more on TikTok. I hang out there, but I have pretty stricter boundaries on my social media. So if you want to talk, just DM me or email me. Awesome. Excellent. Okay. And final things, what are you doing right now that is bringing you a lot of joy? So many things. I I just adore meeting with my clients. I focus on one-on-one work. I thought for a while that I had to do all kinds of other things to be a to be a coach in a specific way, but like I really fucking love talking one-on-one to people. It's just my favorite thing and delights me to no end. So every time I get to meet with my clients, I'm just happy. <laughs> yeah. Well, that also makes um, for good podcast guesting too, because one-on-one is what we do over here in the podcast world. So thank you for being a wonderful guest. It was such a pleasure talking to you today. I learned a lot and I think our listeners did too. So listeners, did you enjoy that one today? If this episode resonated with you, please give it a like, a share, a listen, a subscribe, or if you know somebody who is experiencing something similar Please, 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 please share this episode with them because it may help them figure out their very own. Now what? Okay, that is it for us this week. Thanks so much. We'll be back next week for another I Just Blank Now What episode. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it more than I can say. Did you love this episode of I Just Blank Now What? If you did, be sure to subscribe on your fave podcast platform. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. I do love reading them. And if you know somebody who's experiencing this story or something similar, please share this episode with them. It just might help them figure out the answers to their own now what questions. Have you recently had a now what moment and aren't sure what to do? Reach out to me at jessicastevens.ca and submit your story and I'll help you figure out what to do how to move forward and help you answer. Now what? See you on the next episode.